Welcome to a new episode of Living Adventurously. Today's episode is sponsored by Sidetracked Magazine. Sidetracked is dedicated to adventure storytelling at its very best through stunning imagery and the long-form personal stories from expeditions and journeys taking place around the globe. Sidetrack tells these stories via a print magazine, a weekly field journal newsletter, and on their website at sidetrack.com. And for listeners of this podcast, Sidetrack are offering 15% off a year-long subscription to the magazine by simply entering the code ADVENTURE when you check out via the sidetrack.com shop. Today's guest is Steve Denby, who I called up from my shed late in the evening after he'd finished teaching his meditation class. Former addict and gym owner, Steve now runs Primal Roots, a social enterprise that believes in the restorative power of fitness and nature as a tool to achieve more than just improvements in health and well-being. As well as running fun exercise classes in the great outdoors, Primal Roots helps individuals experiencing both mental and social challenges to reconnect with and fulfil their inner potential. Okay, Um, Steve, thanks very much for joining me. Um, How many podcasts have you been interviewed on before? (laughs) None. None. This is the first one. Okay, brilliant. A lot of my favourite interviews in all this series have been with uh, that people who haven't done it once. So that's that's uh, really good. Um, I'm, um, I'm going to set the scene. It's a well, it's nearly ten o'clock, summer's evening. I'm drinking a cup, of, final cup of tea in my shed. You're joining me. Um, we're doing this a bit late because you had an evening meditation class. Yes. Um, has the, has the has the stress of trying to log on to this silly website completely undone all the benefits of your meditation class? <laughs> well, yeah, of course, I, f- I finished the meditation, um, you know, in a very calm state, very super calm. I ran over, um, I often run over because there's questions afterwards and we, we, you know, things, things are brought up, of course. And I was kind of aware that um, we'd made a time for 10 past nine Meditation finishes at nine. Um, so, yeah, and then we had a, I had a few technical issues getting on. Uh, <laughs> That's all good. So do you t- are you teaching the meditation class or are you a participant? I, on, this, on this occasion, yeah, I, I teach. I, I teach a class uh, regularly on a Tuesday night, uh, eight o'clock. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So, well, I, I feel I'm far too busy for meditation in life. So what would you say to that? Um, utter, utter rubbish. It's, it's not, it's always, it's not a, pri- you know, priority. Anybody that says I'm too busy to do something, it's not up their priority list. You know, you make time for what you think is important. So I guess, you know, we've, we've not met, we don't know each other. You know, I'm just going to make a presumption, which is that it, it isn't, you haven't made that decision that meditation is beneficial or or you know, good for you. Or perhaps you haven't had a good experience, um, so it's you know, it's, it's not it's not up there in your priority to do. <laughs> so do you think is it not my priority because I haven't felt a need for it, or do you just think I'm I'm uh, missing out on something that I should be doing regardless oh, of how I feel in life? Yeah, it's a good question because I you know, um, you know, <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, you know, everybody on the planet would benefit. It wouldn't matter what. You know, I don't. Think, I haven't met anybody that, that kind of doesn't need to meditate, um, because it's it's five to ten minutes. You know, t- ten minutes of quiet, um, just allowing the thoughts to 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 um, just observe thoughts without constantly jumping on thoughts. And everybody benefits from from having that experience where they're just switching off from their thoughts and, and entering a, a space of nothing. I, I say to people, if you've got, if you've got one second of no thought in a 10 minute space, that's successful. That's a successful meditation. Um, because we, we don't know to this date how to measure 
how powerful that one second was. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. long-winded answer to your question, you're missing out. Uh, and, and get it into your life. I'm, I am. A, I'm slightly playing devil's advocate to you, which is, I have to say, one of my uh, favourite occupations because I actually have the, uh, I have the Headspace app. It's on one, the home screen of my phone, and uh, I tend to go in phases. I've, ah. I've done, I, I did a um, hundred days of, of um, the app and you, for all the reasons you said and i found it great and then it sort of drops out of my life and actually the times when i re- feel i am too busy for meditation they are the times when i make an effort to put in 10 minutes so i'm i'm a devil's advocating which actually leads me on to my next bit of a devil's advocate question for you which is to tell you how much i love going to the gym <laughs> which is true i do like going to the gym but one of the reasons i like going to the gym is because they are horrible nasty places and what i mean by that is when i go to the gym it feels like a commitment to myself to think oh man i've come all the way to this horrible place so while i'm here now i'm going to actually really really work hard but if i go to the woods to do some exercise i just think oh it's really nice here and then i just chill out under a tree so uh, can you convince me that i'm wrong in my approach to gyms being essential to hard work in, in exercise <laughs> that's so easy to answer you know but having said that having said that you know i've spent most of my life in gyms but i've also spent most of my life outdoors so i've had this incredible balance um it, it, gyms serve a purpose obviously um but it, it, it it's got going from one one office space to another you know, you, there's a saying, isn't there? There's a, I, I don't know who said it, but you, you go to work in a box. You wake up in a box. You, you go to work in a box. You arrive and go and, and in, in, in work in your office box and you come back in your box. Um, and eventually they carry you away in a box. In a box. That's it. Yeah. So the gym, um, artificial lighting, um, loads of horrible electromagnetic energy buzzing around the place people on phones um uh, linear exercise that's not functional in any way it's just superficial muscle building which is dysfunctional lots of lower back problems neck injuries through incorrect training it's monotonous um the list goes on and on. And on. <laughs> okay. okay, so what, what do you mean by linear exercise versus functional exercise? Well, um, you know, we, we, we're kind of designed to to push things and pull things and climb up stuff and roll down things and crawl under things, lift things that are awkward shaped. Um, everything in the, in the gym is 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 of perfect measured out uh, symmetry. It's not. It's not practical. Our bodies are designed to lift in, in perfect symmetry. Um, we're asymmetrical, so we need to sort of work around that. So um, a chest press, right? Let's let's look at the chest press. Yeah. Um, tell me where in any sport, even movement, any functional, any movement that the chest press is relevant. Um, you know, I challenge you to that, and and then uh, you know. And then it, 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 so, so we, when we push, when we push, we're engaging multiple exercises, uh, multiple muscle groups, our core, our shoulders, uh, it, 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 triceps are working, our pectoral muscles are working, and our hips are stabilizing. Everything is, is, is working in, in, a, um, in a push exercise. But when we're fixed on a bench, um, and we're isolating, we're not getting this sort of combined body workout, full body workout. Okay. But how, how, the, how though, can I get my trademark enormous biceps and uh, pectoral muscles um, in the woods? Oh, well, first of all, <laughs> first of all let, I'm going to answer that in, in two sections. So first of all, um, okay. you know, how, how functional are your biceps and big pectoral muscles they're uh, neither functional nor enormous really <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not a big guy either but <laughs> I, I would like to say that i am functionally fit for the set you know the age i am 50 51 um I'm, I'm i'm a fit young man so 
Um, how do we do it in the woods? We use our body weight and we use we use the trees and we use climb we use climb trees and we use we use um, uh, logs to lift and um, fallen trees to to push and, and deadlift as well. Um, but what it's really about is move for me is about moving from one thing to another. So so running, leaping over the log, um, even falling and rolling to the ground, um, and then going into a push up and then jumping back up and moving on into my run. That's my idea of heaven. And your body becomes pr- kind of primal. It goes back to its roots and it and it pays you back neurologically. Yeah. So so all of a sudden your brain is going, I remember this. This 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 is this is this is this is how I survived. This is how I hunted. And you get muscle tissue growth through stimulation, through memory, muscle memory and 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 neural transmission, brain to body connection, which which is sadly is missed in the gym because you're not neurologically challenged in any way. To to be honest, it sounds it sounds like a a wonderful thing and actually something that I would very, very much enjoy doing. And I think what I particularly enjoy doing is not do not so much doing it by myself, but doing it in a group. So could you tell me a bit then about the um primal roots, which is your business slash social enterprise we, we split it we split the conversation in two if you tell me first of all a bit about just your some normal paying clients people who come to you rather than paying to go to a gym what what's why do they come to you what sort of thing do you do um yeah they come to us because well the the, the social enterprise part is exactly that it is an enterprise and we have a social goal yeah so um, I'll, I'll come to that afterwards. But people paying paying customers are coming um, for effectively a good service. People, the average person coming to 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 get fit, uh, to lose weight, and become healthier. Yeah. So they're coming to our group sessions. Group uh, activity is proven to be more effective than kind of working on your own because the, you, you, it's not social. So, so when we're in a group, we have some competitiveness. We also have some uh, camaraderie and some togetherness and support. Um, there, you'll be exercising together, and it might be like we're doing some shuttle runs, and then another group are doing um, some burpees in in the woods, and then we're combining another sort of a crawl exercise, and then we're going around in a circuit, and it might be okay. How many can you get in this in this in this round? And people are going, well, John, Mark, Rosemary, she she hit fifteen. I'm going to hit more. So we get that competitiveness. Um, yeah, I bet. Um, I bet there's a lot of um, laughter mixed in with the competition so as well. Much, so much, and um, and somehow, well, we put a big emphasis on on actually. Listen, we want you to we want you to fail and enjoy the failing process. You know, oh, you can't do that. You, oh, that's great. Because you attempted it, and and next time your your brain will refine and learn. So we we encourage um, we encourage failure in a positive way. Um, and how how do people respond to that in the early days? Um, it's because of the atmosphere this day. It's almost like they almost feel comfortable as soon as they join a session because they can feel it. They feel the energy of people. Um, and, and then because it's a quite diverse group of people, we're talking about you know really quite unfit, overweight, mixed with some kind of fit guys, and there's no judgment going across, and that's felt. It really is felt straight away. And of course, we will uh, demonstrate, and we're not always great at something. Um, you know, my colleague Carl, if, phenomenal runner. Absolutely phenomenal distance runner, and actually very good short distance five k, ten k runner, but tight, really tight muscles. So getting getting him into a into a squat position or a yogic squat position, natural resting squat, he struggles, and he struggles with some of the movements. But people see um, that he's struggling, then it makes them feel comfortable as well, you know. And that's the environment that we 
that we create that you're allowed to not be perfect here. There's no mirrors. There's nobody watching you. There's, we're just all in this together. Um, so, yeah, we make sure people feel comfortable being uncomfortable. What, what, what are the barriers that the people who come to you, what sort of barriers have they faced in the past about trying to get fit, lose weight, feel happier about themselves? What's the, what are the barriers that they struggle to overcome before they start getting fit with you? Yeah. Um, it, well, straight away, they're quite common is I, I wasn't, I hated, I hated sports school. Um, that, that's pretty common. Um, you know, picked last and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then maybe later in life in the gym experience, feeling that intimidation walking into, you know, the mirrored environment, uh, everybody wearing really funky stuff and looking good because gyms are full of very fit people. Here's the thing. You go to any gym around about seven o'clock at night and you're not going to see some, you're not going to see so many unfit, ungainly un- people in there. You're going to see all the the, 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 the opposite, really, the people who are in shape. And that's great because there's somewhere for them to go, but it's not an not the encouraging place for others to go. So there's an intimidation factor. So so they come to us um, because we're outdoors, because we're, uh, we're, we're, we're a group, and also we um, we kind of aim towards these people, getting these people in here the way we word our sort of our marketing as well. So we're really out there for the the unfits. Um, that's we want to look after those guys that, that are struggling. So that's yeah, I, when when I'm in the gym, I love seeing people who are clearly ridiculously unfit being there and trying and i love that Mm. and what i've never managed to do is work out how i can talk to these people in a way to really make them feel welcome and say oh it's it's great that you're here without just sounding like a a ridiculously patronizing person and so in in the end i tend to tend to just be quiet and listen to my radio 4 podcast but (laughs) yeah trying to make a gym a welcoming place is a really difficult thing to do isn't it yeah, well, yes, um, and often, um, I mean, the, just the way that the gym is structured now, it's all about it's all about you know money and costs. So, so it, it's almost like gone are the days of the the paid instructor instructor in a gym now full of um, self employed PTs, and of course they're after they're after a business um, and. So the environment is, I mean, the PT wants you as a client, yeah. Um, so they're they're going to approach people, of course, and then people are going to be, yeah. What's so the only way I'm going to get fit is to actually pay quite a lot of money for a one to one. So there's there's that, that aspect. I find when when I was in when I work in the gym, um, I always approach people with. I struggle with that. You might find doing it this way is really effective. Yeah, really effective. Try it, and and that way you can break those those bar- those barriers a little bit with people. Um, but let's move. Let's just take the mirrors away. Just probably one thing. Some people would argue, no, you need those for form. I would argue back. Yeah, but then you're. Then you're not you're not listing feeling your body and and using your own proprioception skills. You know, just feeling whether it feels right. Either do you need to see it? So there's there's two arguments that that, that hold value on each side. I think, but yeah. Um, so you've you've um you've totally convinced me about the appeal of a fun, difficult group session mucking about in the woods and and feeling aching but happy afterwards so i'm i'm sold on that um but what what really drew me to um to your story really uh, uh, about primal roots is the work that you're doing with local homeless and people who are experiencing um addiction so can you describe what you do to to make 
primal roots different to just a normal outdoor pe club gym yeah yeah i mean that well we talked about before the, the social enterprise as opposed to um it being a charity a social enterprise is, is there to to as a business to provide a service a quality service of which attracts paying customers those paying customers go go towards supporting non-paying customers yeah so the comp we can we, we apply for grants and grant support and funding um and we also generate a membership yeah it's just like any other fitness uh, outfit so but our customers know that they are supporting more vulnerable adults caught up in um addiction bit and we're talking any addiction because addiction is addiction whether it's cocaine to, to 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 alcohol or any drug to um repetitive behaviors and um, internet shopping gambling anything that's causing them distress and and leading to them um being in risk of being homeless or or actually have, have been affected by homelessness because it kind of can happen to anybody right so, so how, how do you how do you find uh, these people? What and how do you begin a conversation with them to make them go do some burpees in a muddy puddle? Yeah, yeah. Well, good question. So we um, we work alongside um, people like Porchlight. You familiar with Porchlight? Uh, Home homeless charity. Homeless charity Porchlight. Uh, Turning Point. Um, I think it's renamed now. Um, gosh, there's several others and. Sorry, that's okay. So we can add, we can add them to the show notes if you uh, remember some later. But so you 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 liaise with them yeah, and you find some potential people who might, that might benefit. What yeah. what's their what's their initial response when you say, "I'm Steve. I've got a great way to help you. Come and do some um, uh, deadlifts in the rain." Yeah, <laughs> uh, sometimes some resistance. Um, because people really don't know what to expect. So uh, so they're referred to us. Um, we often, well, we'll always go visit first, talk about what we do, um, talk to them about who we've helped in the past. We often go along with somebody that's that's you know, been through sort of like a process with us, you know, a course of sessions with us um, and is feeling the benefits. That really helps. That really helps because also that person is familiar with their situation and and then we 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 start with a very well an introduction to movement exercise and then they start to go oh, okay you know i like the idea of this um and we really just go from there but what's we do do sessions um separately so we'll go we'll work with the nhs and we'll go to homes and we'll also we'll do we've done we've done sessions in in medium security prisons um We've done sessions um, in all kinds of environments where you think, "God, oh, that you know, how's that possible?" You know, in a in a in a space that's the size of a postage stamp, and they've, they've only got that to use, and we've used small spaces to get them outside and barefoot. So there is an introduction, um, then a, then there's this integration of coming into the uh, the community. So. Well, we've set out to say is look you know we're not going to treat you separately we're not going to go oh here's a session for homeless and here's a session for some addicts and here's some session from ex-offenders everybody is is together yeah In including your normal paying yeah, people or absolutely. okay every single one of our paying clients knows what we do um and so that there's there's no there's no there's no there's no judgments there's acceptance, and actually, it's anonymous anyway. So people, people won't know. People won't know the, the history, and until until maybe that they choose to talk to them about it. And that can often happen in a session when you're out in the woods exercising. You're all on an equal plane, and everything, and we're having fun, and we're kind of challenging ourselves. We're going into, we're kind of going up to the comfort zone, and sometimes over it. Things happen emotionally. Things change, you know, and people start to talk, and um, 
and then then the healing happens. You know, that's what's beautiful. We're not. It's hard to watch. It just just people start to open up and connect, um, and they get healed by the movement and the connection to the earth and in the natural environment. And you keep doing that over and over again. We get some wonderful, wonderful changes, and we're not there to change somebody's personality. That's accepted. What we're trying to do is help them go into the repetitive, destructive behaviour. Yeah. So that's so we're part of that rehabilitation process. We're not the absolute solution. We're not saying that we are. Pass them over to us, and we'll get them off drugs. We'll get them off these repetitive behaviour patterns. But we are a part of it. Is and, it? Is it? Oh, sorry. What we also find, uh, just just to say that, you, that once you get that acceptance into the group as well, people like to belong to stuff. Everybody likes to belong belong to a group, yeah, uh, to a club, and that's what we we have here. We call it. Our, we actually call it a family, um, and 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 being part of that is 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 pretty special. Because then we go on and do events together as well. We might do mud runs or, or 10K runs or half marathons or marathons. Take, take a bunch of us out there and, and compete as well. Who, who is it that's got the uh, Primal Roots tattoo that I saw on uh, Instagram? Is that, one of, is that you or one of your, one of your squad? Uh, yeah, that was one of our squad. I mean, we never, wow. we, did, we did not ask them to do that. I mean, that. It, it, you don't have to get a tattoo on day one. Uh, yeah, it's not compulsory. Yeah. She, amazing woman. She just just got it done. I mean, on the on a calf. It's quite. So how crazy. did how did that make you feel seeing someone get your well primal roots? It meant that much that she tattooed her calf. Um. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, it. You should you should get her on to talk to. She's quite quite a story. Um. And just it meant a lot, in a in a way. Just yeah, it meant a lot. Wow, yeah. Somebody felt that powerful about something to mm. have it tattooed to them. Yeah, it meant a lot. I know it's hard, uh, obviously, to talk about stories, but I wonder if you could perhaps just give me a bit of a flavour, um, anonymized and slightly made up, if you wish, of the story of someone you've t- you've whose journey you followed from being in a terrible place to a far more positive place um could you yeah. does anyone oh. spring to mind for that yeah, there's several people i mean um springing to mind um yeah one 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 guy is um what is he call, call him bob bob yeah he's in his <laughs> uh, late 30s um prolific um offender or re-offending when, we say, when i use the word prolific i just mean just just out of prison and then back in you know over and over again, and a serial reoffender, always triggered through um, alcohol. You know, intelligent guy, lovely family. He's got young young child. In fact, two children. Um, but drinking, drinking alcohol, flicks a switch and turn just turns him into a monster. You know, and it's not it's not uncommon, but it turns him into a an absolute monster, and um, his behaviour is destructive um, and violent. Um, and, and a drinking session is not like, um, you know, a normal drinking session. We're talking a bottle of vodka plus, and then drugs, and out, and then, you know, and in, in, and that's it. And it that goes on for days, but it doesn't go on without any destruction that's the thing and a trail of, of uh, disaster behind him followed by re re-arrest back in and um he had not been the longest i think he'd been not been in jail for it and the biggest period was something like two months and uh, he's now six 14 months um Without reoffence, um, he he does not drink. He knows he can't. 
Um, and that's, you know, you'd think, well, you think, well, surely that's easy to do if you, you, you know, you're that destructive to yourself, but it's not if you're an, an addict and you've got pain. And so drinking eases the pain. So his journey has been one of an emotional journey with us and one of a, of, a, of a physical journey. So he's lost huge amounts of weight. He's got immensely fit. Um, he, I, would, I would say you call him an athlete now. He really turned from non-athlete to athlete. But he has a, a higher purpose. Um, he has goals. He has fitness goals. Um, we're actually going through a, a process. It's a quite a long process, but we are going through a process of uh, getting him educated to become an instructor, um, and because he's got he's got the, he's got the skills, and, and then to put back in, and he's he's also working with um, offenders himself now. So he's now a role model for them, um, and helps uh, a trust with that work. So he's doing that work. He's he's because he recognises himself in others and is helping them on the on the journey that he's gone through um in the protest though he's now 14 months he, he with us it wasn't straight away i mean he he did offend again and went inside i think twice and then broke back and stayed out to date 14 months and you know i can't see him going in again completely and utterly changed but it was the um The combination of doing the emotional work with the physical that was important. I mean, he had he had things that are unresolved from his past, shall we say, things that you you wouldn't really like to experience, and they had to be they had to be resolved and 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 uh, released. You know, they can't they because they, they held anger. They held so much anger in him that that came out when he drank. So stopping drinking is one thing, but the drink, the anger's still there, right? So you stop drinking, you've still got anger. Uh, now you've got a, a, a non-drinking angry man. So so it, we went further and, and really helped him with the, with, with the pain of the past, the trauma that I was part of the process. So yeah, I, and, and say if the... Um, if, if anybody in government are listening right now, we've, we've saved you uh, 65,000 pounds. So we'd like that back, please. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, geez, that is a, well, that's a long, separate, crazy conversation, isn't it? But, but yeah, thank you. That's a, a really wonderful story. And, and you're clearly able to empathize well with people through the, the work that you've been doing for lots of years, but also um, you, in your own life went through some similar struggles too, haven't you? Which I imagine really puts you in a good position, not just to be preaching at people. So would you mind sharing a little bit of a, of some of your experiences and how that's been relevant to trying to pick up other people? Well, yeah, I mean, I, gosh, there's no, some of the people that, that we help, there's no way that I've gone through the trauma and pain that they, they have. Right. So we have to be quite clear about that. I mean, I, I had right. a grew up, I grew up um, in a normal childhood um, and, you know, it, it just a pleasant childhood. I grew up in, in, um, in I was born in London uh, and I was adopted um, and lived most of my childhood life in Derbyshire and had a wonderful uh, life. I'm a, you can probably sense there's a butt there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, you know, I grew up... <laughs> This this is not about this is nothing to do with oh pitying me woe is me it really is no. because you, you, somebody's trauma you, you don't come across as that kind of guy at all well the I grew up in a in a in a very sort of affluent village if you like and um, I am um, you know I'm adopted and that's not you know. Thousands and thousands of people are, but it doesn't mean to say that you you dealt with it very well. So, uh, well, I dealt with it very well. 
on the outside, it might have appeared that inside I was a bit of a, a bit of a mess, to be honest. On on top of that, um, I was also struggled with some bullying to some degree as well. Um, I'm dark skinned, so I am not. Um, my ethnicity is unknown fully. Yeah, so so as I understand it, to to the knowledge of my mum, which I've I found, I found now, my adopted mother and father were white, and they are now unfortunately both dead. I found my mother, who is also white, but um, she, uh, her partner at the time, well, actually was. <laughs> do you know what? I may as well. I'm going to tell you a funny story, right? <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. Um, she, I, when I met my mum for the first time. Um, I sent her, well, before I sent her a photo of me. So I find my mother, and a friend of mine helped me, who is genius on computers and managed to, he tracks people down for a living, basically. She, he managed to trace this lady. Um, I sent her a letter, I sent her a picture. Um, I sent that to the wrong address because I scribbled the wrong address down. That was quite comical. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't care. Weeks and weeks went past. She's not, she's not responding. And then I was told, I was counseled through this process. He said, please expect to be let down. Don't, please don't hold all your, your, your hopes on this at all. So that's, I let it go. And then, and then for some reason, don't know how now, I can't remember, but I, I found out that I'd sent it to the wrong address and then sent it to the right one. And within a day or so, uh, contacted. And then we met. And I won't go into too much detail about that, but we met and it was a little bit awkward. We met in her home and it was all just a bit awkward, um, but it was okay. And this was, by the way, 12 years ago. So I, I have you know, a wonderful relationship with her now and we have, uh, we're a family. But the funny story was that, and there's several, but one that springs to mind is three, about, about two years into, into getting to know my um, my mum were outside my house in Newcastle at the time, and and I'd forgot. Got out of the car, and I, I let, I'd left the keys at the, at the table of the cafe that we'd just been to. Um, and my wife said, "Well, look, I'll go back. I'll go back and get them." It was luckily it was a nice day, and we said, "You just stay here, just stand outside the house at the moment." It was almost tactical for my wife, really, because she knew that I hadn't really had much time to spend just me and her. We, which we hadn't. So we um, we chatted and talked, and, and she said to me, you know, I think I need to say something to you. It's okay. Well, when you send your photo, you know, I nearly, I nearly dropped down, dropped down dead. I said, well, what do you mean? She says, well, you're clearly not David's, David's uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> And then these next few words I will never forget because she said, well, it was the 60s. <laughs> yeah. End of story. She said it was the 60s. Um, you know, so she, I was the product of, let's say, a very uh, fun time. And, okay. Uh, yeah, so my, my dad apparently was either uh, fully Turkish or part Turkish because I'm very dark-skinned in, in the... Um, in the sun, I go very dark, uh, and I'm all year round dark skin. So, but I grew up in a in a in a, in a village, which is it sounds really weird to say, you know, full of white people. It sounds what odd thing to say these days, but it was in Derbyshire. I was the only person with a suntan at school, um, and every day there was subtle racism, you know, jokes every day. But I was able to build resilience to it and a sense of humour and. and you know, so school wasn't so bad, but it was normal to be, you know, called a packy or, to, you know, to get that, especially, especially um, when you were, I was very athletic, fit, so I was, I was um, <coughs> often going to other schools, and that's where the, that's when the that's when the, the bullying happens, you know, going to other schools. So that kind of wasn't really the challenge. The challenge was rejection for me. Um, the challenge was it, it, the feelings that I had of, of 
oh well somebody's giving me away um so th- that 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 feeling of not being worth anything says no how can anybody give you away um therefore you're not worth anything and th- this was ingrained and when you when you're thinking like this as a young as a young boy it's the truth isn't it you know as, a, as an adult i can look back and, and, and apply some intelligence and go well no that's not the truth but as a young boy no that's that and but what i often heard was you must be grateful you know you're you're adopted and so in one hand i was given away on the other hand i feel i have to feel gratefulness for being kind of rescued or saved and that led to that sort of that sort of battle in my head really led to um kind of destructive behavior not big i wasn't i wasn't like uh, make i wasn't causing crime but it was little little things all the time very sort of destructive things like i would in fact destruction was it was there a little bit i would spend a lot of time making things for example airfix models and then destroying them um right. i used to um, get my dinner money and go to school and throw it away um, in a bush just throw it away and then or keep about five pence and then play play um close to the wall with five pence pieces and if there's only who can get the, the their, their coin to the closest to the wall and i would gamble it back uh, right. and win my dinner money back right. in that way they would take and then and it would take me to lunchtime to get some dinner money back and then buy buy my dinner and i had to because i never had enough money um i had to then hide things so i'd buy the cheapest like mashed potato it's just <laughs> crazy when i think about it and get a sausage steal it and push it inside the potato so i could so i could <laughs> so but, but you know if i listen back to this it would probably sound really really ridiculous and, and and people might even think well why did you throw your money away in the first place well what did you know that was just stupidity but yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound uh, stupid to me. Um, yeah, you're, you're sort of torn between a push and a pull, a push away and the pull of enforced gratitude, I suppose. Um, so you went, you, you went through, I, I don't know how long, a period of difficult times. When did nature and the outdoors first offer a glimmer of um, some sort of way of turning things around to get more positive about well, I grew. Your situation. I mean, I grew up with it. I lived in Derbyshire. Mm. We spent most of my free time outside, climbing trees, making bows, proper bows and arrows, and playing in the fields and outdoors, and making dens. So, I spent my entire childhood really outside. So that it was always, it was always there. It was always there, and I, I ran and walked, ran everywhere, everywhere. We didn't have a car, so um, everywhere that I needed to be, I ran. So I wasn't even trained. I wasn't, you know, running jeans or running, you know, it, it, I was just tra- really training all the time without realizing. Um, so that was always there. The, the, the destructive behavior didn't really kind of stop until I was um, the late 30s. Right, so the so addiction, you know, addiction came in um, with um, not so much alcohol, really, but more more cocaine. Yeah, so I was taking that, and I was also working. So I was functionally, I was a fitness trainer, but still a functioning addict. Yeah, yeah. So the so the fitness was 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 my kind of balancer and i always used to say to myself well all the time i can run and do the things i do uh, well i need to need to stop yeah don't need to stop you know smoking drinking and uh, abusing myself in that way but functioning um until i faced faced these sort of demons really and that kind of happened that kind of that happened in in Spain. I'm happy to talk about that, but just to say, what where did I find the outdoors? It was always really there. 
It was mm. always there, and I was part. I was a, I was a scout, and I was an adventure scout as well. Um, and I was actively playing sport. I was playing tennis, a lot of tennis, and a lot of running. And so this so all, it was more. It was more about finding a way back to it. Then after a period of yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that and it, when it yeah, it was so normal when we when I'm in the woods and doing all of that stuff and introducing people to that movement um then it just comes flooding back it's all there so i think the i suppose then the there's some sort of some overlap in our lives and that we both grew up in rural countryside areas with a childhood with lots of outdoors and adventure and so it feels very natural to both you and i and uh i and i i always feel that the outdoors is just a fully open wonderful blank canvas welcoming of anyone to come and play in and and is a, a great source of solace for people but what what different what might i not notice as a uh boring white guy that you as a non-white man do notice in terms of the barriers that stop everyone experiencing and enjoying the outdoors equally gosh you know, I struggled to answer that because um, um, I didn't feel there was any, you know, any barriers. If anything, it was uh, enjoying that in my my childhood. It was not; it was normal. Yeah, so there was no restrictions um, and uh, or, or barriers. I can't. Do you know, I'm. I'm struggling to answer whether how I feel whether the, the, as a it, when I was out spending time out outdoors, I was with um, a few of my friends, which actually one of them I recently reconnected with. He's a he's a climbing instructor. Now we he lived on my road. Um, he, there, there was no issues with him and me he, uh, regarding uh, colour, my skin at all. In fact, my closest mate, there was no issue. It was more outside of that. So I guess, in a way, that was my um, area where I felt, you know, super free. Yeah. So I'm not in any limelight. It's, it's when it's more when I was probably in the village or in, in town where I felt more kind of. Vulnerable as well. That that I find that very interesting because that would be my gut feel myself. But obviously, it's hard to know from an outside perspective. But that that uh, I'm interested. You say that, but what difference then do you notice now as a um, professional in some ways in the outdoor industry in terms of the people who come and come to Primal Roots in terms of are they mostly white, or do you have a good mix of people coming along? Um, do you know now? Um, when I say now, I'm talking. I am, you know, in the last in the last few weeks, um, where I'm noticing more black people coming to our sessions. So. Um, I mean, where I where Ashford commute, Ashford is, a, is a, just on the edge of the commuter belt. It's a quite desirable place to live. Regarding that, you can still work in London quite comfortably and get on get to London within forty minutes. So it's, um, my, for example, my neighbours they've recently moved out of London. Um, they're a black family. Chosen here, they gain more house. They're getting more house for their their money, so they're, they're making mm. lifestyle choice. And I'm seeing more black people in the community here, and they're coming. So, um, which is you know a, a one a, you know wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. So, but previously, no, I look back and think, gosh, you know, it, we could have a class size of twenty. There might be one one black person in, and um it's not something that I have made a decision to go, right, we need to 
we need to appeal. Because how do you do that? We're just open to it, to anybody anyways. There's no... I. But what, what I know for sure is that we are very good at uh, social media as well. So we, when I say good at, we, we publish a lot of our, of our sessions on social media. Lots of photos are taken, people smiling and laughing. So the more um, people are of ethnic minority or black people or whatever, however we decide, you know, to, to, to not label them, but then people are going to go, ah, great. That's more. I I agree fully with that. But the problem that I have had for years in terms of broadening the adventure world I I move in is how do you get all these lovely, enticing messages and pictures and stories to people who have never even considered googling? Let's go do some burpees in a muddy puddle in the woods. How do you reach people for whom this has never been part of their story yeah well um leave out the word burpees for a start (laughs) (laughs) i love burpees Um, (laughs) yeah but so do i but you try you try convincing somebody else that they're great fun um you know just we focus on feeling we're um you know the, the the result of exercising well moving your body naturally rhythmically combining that with running um, and strength conditioning but in an outdoor environment sleeping encouraging better sleep increasing hydration encouraging encouraging whole foods locally grown foods this is what we this is all primal roots it's all about that it's a more holistic approach the outcome of that is improved health which equals less you know losing weight right so if we're really kind of crude about it most people associate fitness with weight loss yeah now that's that's we're talking lots and lots thousands of people want to lose weight we have an obesity issue crisis in this country and it's quite obvious so there's a big problem with weight weight gain and it's Due to, in my opinion, due to um, a processed diet, a highly processed diet. Not, we're not just talking about eating KFC and, and McDonald's. We're talking about eating foods that have unnecessary sugar levels in them, unnecessary additives, um, and unnecessary chemicals in processed food. And all of these, or some of these foods, or a lot of them, are 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 um, promoted as being healthy so we're talking diet food it's just all modified so we have also sedentary lifestyle equals overweight and then we've got all the problems associated with that sleep lack of sleep and dehydration so when we are promoting we're promoting well-being feeling good feeling energized community Oh, and by the way, you'll lose some weight as well. Yeah, you will lose weight as a product of that. Yeah, so um, it's kind of when somebody can can go, oh, I like the idea of that. I like the idea of feeling good. Um, and they see that that there are people that are a bigger size in our group, then that is going to help them cross that barrier to go, well, actually, if I'm there, welcome, so am I. And if they feel comfortable, so so will I. Because that's what we do, isn't it? We look at people and go, well, they look like me, or they, you know, they're similar age to me or size. So I guess that's how we're kind of crossing those barriers. Well, I think you're doing a fantastic job of um, inspiring, encouraging, helping, um, and. Yeah, it's it's you, you talk a lot of sense. Um, I'm very conscious. One of the things you mentioned then was getting some sleep, which is vital, and it's approaching both our bedtime. So I won't keep you for more than a couple of minutes. But a tradition of my podcast is I have a deck of cards, each of which has got a tricky or intriguing question about life, the universe, and everything. Um, can I? ask you to answer a couple of these at random okay go for it 
Yeah. You are if if you don't want to answer one, you say pass. Okay. Sure. Okay. Normally, normally I'd let you choose so it's not fixed, but I'll just have to do it myself because we're I'm in my shed. Right. Here we go. Who was the most adventurous grown-up you knew when you were a child? Oh my goodness! My scouts, my scout leaders. I was so lucky. We had um, three scout leaders. Well, five in fact, but three of them were mountain rescue guys. Um, how lucky! How lucky were we? So mm. we went mountain. We went mountaineering, rock climbing. We went caving um, as the norm. It was like normal. And so uh, these were like, I reckon they were my, my, uh, yeah, my inspiration growing up. But my these three mount these three scout leaders, and they were adventurous. I mean, they'd done um, a lot of climbs, a lot of dangerous climbs, um, and so yeah, they were kind of my sort of little kind of heroes, really. Growing up, that's a, oh, the Scouts is an amazing thing, isn't it? So they're uh, yeah, they they have a lot to uh, people, a lot of people to be thankful for the Scouts. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna do the next one. Here we go. What are you willing to sacrifice for ambition? <laughs> do the nice easy questions at ten to eleven at night. <laughs> well, I've probably already. Um, sacrificed you know i'm time you know i'm a terror gosh i don't know whether this is just more of a um not a cop-out answer but one that you know something i've already i already uh, go over time i you know i i i i wouldn't say i was a workaholic um but i'm kind of obsessed with getting it right and making and um, and making a success of things, projects I'm in, involved in, and that sometimes involves me not switching off my phone at night, and that involves me kind of just always tapping in to work when perhaps you know I should be relaxing. So, but something that I am willing, on top of that, to sacrifice in, in pursuit of what was in pursuit of. Um, Ambition. Um, ambition. Yeah, well, do you know the um, ambition is not it's not so much it is right, I've got the answer. Okay. okay. It's a little bit things have changed. Going back to when I was um sort of with the issues and the issues I had about adoption, yeah. So we're talking about no having no value. Um, being worthless um, the, so decisions made back then when I was a child was right well I don't, I know, I'm not going to feel like that I'm going to prove to people I'm going to prove to people that I am worth something so I spent um, the, the biggest part of my, my earlier adulthood trying to prove that and the only way I could was, was through um, a projection of wealth, you know. So, so it was all about getting, getting a BMW car, be, living in the right area, um, going to the right restaurants and going to the right places to be seen. So that so I was driven by that, and that that took a lot of my energy away, huge amounts. So my ambition is switched from material now because I actually lost everything. We lost everything in Spain. We lost the, lost the house. Um, we lost a lot, lost financially, lost everything. Came back to England um, eight years ago with, with nothing, not a penny, back in debt. So ambition has switched to just well, went from just surviving to um, having an incredible sense of gratitude for the, the simplest things. Um, but I no longer have material ambition, only to leave a legacy of um for my children to say you know you know what dad i'm pretty proud of you not oh thank you for that car or thank you for that big lump of money <laughs> what have i got to sacrifice for that 
hopefully nothing else. <laughs> and if anything, to actually give my family my time back more so. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a um, very moving and uh, wise point to end, really. Um, Steve, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you from my shed thank you so much for sharing with such honesty um your story and i found it really inspiring so thank you very much and perhaps i'll come join you for some uh, burpees in the woods to work on my uh, bicep muscles <laughs> thank you very much Steve. <laughs> well, you're welcome. i hope you've enjoyed this episode of living adventurously if you did please do rate and review the series on your podcast app. It really helps. Please also take a quick screenshot right now and send it to any of your friends who might appreciate listening. There are dozens of episodes for them to dip into. And if you enjoy mulling over the questions on my deck of cards, you can now try them out yourself. I've put them all into a notebook for living adventurously, which you can buy on my website. And whilst you're there, why not sign up for one of my three email newsletters or two other podcast series? Okay, enough of the sales talk. Thank you very, very much indeed for listening to Living Adventurously. I hope you'll come again soon.